0: The Dallas Cowboys did not play on Sunday, but Cowboys Nation was attached to the TV watching Eagles versus Bills. Unfortunately, the result favors Philly, and tonight we'll talk about why that is a major blow to the Cowboys and what it means for the Cowboys' postseason picture. Here we go. (music) What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. As always, do me a favor and hit the like button as you join the stream. It is the single biggest thing that you can do to help out the show, and it takes about half a second to do it, so I appreciate you taking the time to support primetime like that. Uh, welcome, everyone, on a Sunday night. You know, I had something planned for tonight that as I continued to watch this evening's game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Buffalo Bills, I became aware that the show might need a little bit of a, a tweaking because whether the Eagles lost or won, that was going to be a big game for the Cowboys and their playoff picture because obviously, we're keeping tabs on everything that happens with Philly in hopes of a door cracking open for the NFC East division title, something like that. Well, on Sunday, for a large portion of the game, seemed like could go the Cowboys way. Because by the second quarter, the Bills were leading the Eagles 17-7. to But it all changed in the second half. And the Eagles got the job done, man. And this is a Cowboys show watched by Cowboys fans. You know, I live in a world where I'm constantly covering the Cowboys. I'm thinking about the Cowboys 24-7. So this might be a little bit controversial to say in this particular show, but I'm just going to say it. Respect to the Eagles, man. They they got it done in a big way. And I've been very critical of Philly, and I've been very insistent on the point that hey, you know what, Philly has got some wins where they really struggled, and a lot of things have gone their way. But at one point, once you're at ten and one for the season, you gotta respect the team and be like, hey, at there's something that they have there that allows them to win these close games, these big games, even when you are. Uh, talking about the refs and talking about officiating not being ideal and it certainly was not ideal on Sunday against the Bills. Uh, There was a intentional grounding called on Josh Allen when Gabe Davis is right there. There was a holding on Stephon Dix's jersey. He's being like you know completely pulled from the jersey. No flag. In the same play for intentional grounding you see a horse collar for Josh Allen. That's how they bring him down. No flag. So There's a lot of things that we could really pick apart, but at some point we also gotta be like, okay, respect to Phillip for stepping up in big spots. Respect to, for example, Jalen Hurts finding Devonta Smith on that crossing route in a dime because that was an absolute dime of a throw. Or, respecting the Eagles for calling and dialing up the perfect play in a scoring position where they seem to have like a screen to the play side and Jalen Hurts basically just reads the defense, tucks it, and runs it in for six for the winning touchdown. Got to respect them to some point. Speaking of Jalen Hurts, in the second half, he went 11, for f- 11 of 15, 135 yards, and he got three touchdowns. And there were a lot of clutch moments there for Jalen, who has my respect, even as a Cowboys you know, follow, where I got our respect that, hey, Jalen Hurts is doing a great job. With the Eagles, and right now probably he's the MVP favorite. I think there's a lot of football left to be played, and who knows where the voters are gonna lean at the end of the of the year, but he might be the MVP favorite at this point. Now, Eli is I'm gonna rephrase this, Eli, because that's the kind of the conversation that I would like to have too. Eli says, let's be honest, the Eagles should be eight and three. And I know what you mean, right? Marcus Baldis Cantling dropped that touchdown pass that Patrick Mahomes basically put in his hands uh, a week ago. So you could definitely go ahead and say, hey, you know what? He could have, he could have uh, uh caught that, and the Eagles would have lost that game. That's totally right. The Buffalo Bills could have won this game in multiple instances in Week 12. You look at the Cowboys game, and a lot of things had to go the Eagles' way for. The game to be won by 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 the home team, which was Philly. But that's one thing. The Eagles could be eight and three. Yes, they could. They, I don't know about should be eight and three. Somebody hit me up on Twitter and was like, hey, these are the 2020 Steelers. They're not. They're not. They've got Jalen Hurts, who is a good quarterback. They've got a top-tier offensive line, a top-tier defensive line. They've got, you know, a solid coaching staff as well playmakers on the perimeter with A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. We know about, you know, the the whole tight end situation right now, but they do have Dallas Goddard. They have uh, some of the best defensive tackles in the NFL. So I would just, as Toxic here says, hey, the Eagles are a good team. Let's accept it. Uh, I can live with that. And I can live with the idea of, hey, they've been pretty clutch in game-winning situations where they're driving down the field at the end of the game where they're basically milking the clock at the end of the game to secure the win. They've been cold in those situations. And Jalen is a very cold quarterback, so I do want to give them credit. It's okay to be a Cowboys fan and be like, hey, you know what, let's recognize what the rival is doing. I think that's pretty fair to do. And although I agree that they've had luck, they've made the most of it right? They don't control the luck that they get. They control what they do with it. And for the most part, they have gotten it done. The one exception is a weird-ass game against the Jets earlier in the season that they probably shouldn't have lost, right? But that was the other side of the coin. So really, really uh, big blow to the Cowboys, though, because forget about what it means for a potential playoff game between the Cowboys and the Eagles, or forget about what it means even for week 14, which is very close, where the Cowboys are going to host the Eagles. Let's talk about what it means for the NFC East. Because at this point, let me know in the chat if you agree or disagree that this win by the Eagles pretty much means that the NFC East is gone. Do you agree or disagree? Let me know in the chat. Mathematically, of course, it isn't, it isn't gone. But it sure feels like it. Let me know in the chat uh, if you agree or disagree with that statement. In the meantime, let me show you how things stand right now in the NFC. The Eagles are at 10 and one, they're the number one seed in the NFC, and the Cowboys are at eight and three. Now, from what I see, the chat does not agree with me for the most part. Uh, well, it's about 50 50 now. Joey Bella says he disagrees. William goes that he disagrees. Toxic says disagrees. Not even December yet. Agree for JSS says, hell no, Mo, says Cam. Mike and Leah agree though. Gregory disagrees. Bruce disagrees. Disagree for Katharina. Cam says that I'm full. And hey, I respect that. I'm going to give you my arguments in a moment here. William says if they beat the 49ers, then it's almost over. Here's how I view it, right? I recognize the Eagles as a pretty good freaking team. Here's what the Cowboys basically need to go ahead and reclaim the division title to keep the streak alive, the famous NFC East streak alive, where no team has won the division in back-to-back years since 2004. That's what's at stake here with the way that the Eagles are trending. Say that the Cowboys win out. Now, that's a big assumption, right? It's one of the top 10 most difficult schedules from here until week 18. So, it is difficult to go ahead and win out. Now, if you ask me, can they beat the Bills? Can I can they beat the Dolphins? Can they beat the Eagles? I'm going to say yes to pretty much every one of those questions. They're very winnable games for Dallas. However, it's still tough even if you're if you have one of the easiest schedules in the league, it's tough to go you know, run the table, right? So let's just assume for a second, though, that the Cowboys do win out. They run the table and they finish the season with just three losses to their name. That would be fantastic. And the way that they are playing, the way that Dak Prescott is playing, they can beat anybody in the NFL. And that much is clear, I believe, to everyone. Not saying that they will actually go ahead and do it, just that they could. That's the kind of team that the Cowboys are right now. We've talked about it, you know, Having your starters resting by the fourth quarter is not normal. Doesn't matter who you are phasing. The fact that the Cowboys have done it so consistently this season speaks volumes about who they are. But just the circumstance. Let's talk about the circumstance. The Say the Cowboys win out. And then the Eagles say they lose their next two. Right? They would have to lose against the Cowboys for Dallas to win out. So that's automatic there. Let's say they also lose to the 49ers. Their next rivals, right? I think that's where it gets a little bit more complicated, is the Seattle Seahawks, and that's a road game for Philly. So there's there's a chance there, but you and I both know the Eagles would be heavy favorites for that one, probably. Then you've got the Giants, you've got the Cardinals, and you've got the Giants. This is an any given Sunday kind of league. I understand all that. But if they lose to the 49ers and they lose to the Cowboys and then they win out, they win their next four, their final four, and Dallas wins out, Philly gets the tiebreaker because that would be 14-3 and three for both teams and Philly gets the tiebreaker right there. I'm just putting that on the table for us to understand that, hey, Cowboys do not need to tie the Eagles. They need to have a better record than them by the, season, by the time the season is over. That's basically what they need. I don't know about you, but it's kind of tough to find that third loss in the Eagles' remaining schedule. I could see them losing against San Francisco, right? The 49ers are one of the best teams in the NFL. Brock Purdy leads a very efficient offense. Perhaps is still the most efficient offense, by the way, with Brandon Ayuk and Christian McCaffrey, and it's a scary-looking team. And I'm sure that Cal Chanahan can find ways to attack the Eagles secondary, which is far from the best in the NFL. I'm also pretty confident that the Cowboys can beat the Eagles at home because the Cowboys can also exploit that secondary. And, And they did actually earlier this year. I know the Cowboys lost that game, but they still gave the Eagles a very good run for their money. And a lot of things had to go the Eagles way for them to avoid a loss right there. But against Seattle, I don't know if Seattle can stop the Eagles, man. I really don't. And the same goes obviously for the next three teams. Again, yes, the Giants are a divisional opponent. They're really bad. The Eagles, the the, the Giants are really bad. And I'm not sure how I could bet on that offensive line holding off the Eagles defensive line. I just wouldn't bet on it. I think it's likelier, and I say this. You know, with all the love in my heart, but I would say that it is likelier for the Cowboys to lose one of their remaining games than for the Eagles to lose three of theirs. Now, that should be something that is not controversial at all, right? If you look at DVOA and you look at their remaining schedules, the Eagles have one of the 10 easiest remaining schedules. No, excuse me. Uh, yeah, one of the 10 easiest. And the Cowboys have one of the top 10 hardest schedules in the NFL from now until week 18. That's per DBOA, which measures team efficiency and everything. So I do feel like the NFC East is kind of gone, not mathematically. I understand that. But I do believe that the Eagles need needed to lose against the Chiefs or the Bills for us to be confident in that there would be a scenario where the Cowboys could exploit a a, a a door that maybe would open late in the season to steal the NFC East. Right now, that is looking very, very complicated. Uh, let's see what you guys have to say in the chat. Tom and I want five says the Niners will bit them. And maybe, and maybe the Cowboys will too. I just think that that extra step, that third step, Is going to be tough to come by looking at Eagles' final opponents. So it's a little bit of a tough situation right there. Uh, Trade Carrier says the Cowboys still have a mathematical chance. And yeah, for sure. If they lose to the 49ers and us, things can get pretty tight. And hey, you know, there's one thing about the NFL. Wild stuff happens, and it can happen late in December too. I will say, and I hate to say it because you never want to root for any uh, for any of those situations, but health is also a very important factor in the NFL. And, you know, sometimes those those injuries can come at the worst time. And again, I'm not even rooting for it, but that's one of the ways that you could maybe like envision it to happening. But it's going to be very tough. It, it, based on what we know now in the situation that we are in, and now it's very tough for the eagles to lose the division right now and that would mean for the cowboys that they need to go on a little bit of a wild card run one of those historic wild card runs because right now Dallas is likely getting the 5th seed which is the top wild card spot based on again what we've seen and if the season ended today actually they would be the number 5 seed in the NFC the way to the Super Bowl for Dallas would be beating the AFC South, the NFC South champion in the wildcard round, which is basically what happened last year too when the Cowboys were about to face the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and they destroyed them. They would go on the road against, say, Atlanta, which is right now the leader of the division with a losing record. Sounds familiar. They would need to beat the Falcons. And then in the divisional round, they would be traveling to – be it uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, if they're the only wild card team to lo- to win, who knows if that will happen? Uh, if Seattle or, or Minnesota, or you know, based on the current playoff picture, obviously this can move very quickly here in the next few weeks. But I'm just using the teams that are in the playoff picture right now. If if the sixth seed or the seventh seed ends up winning, then that would mean instead of traveling to the number one seed, which would be Philadelphia, maybe a trip to San Francisco, right? The one that we all want to avoid, maybe, based on what we've seen in the matchups and how it doesn't really favor the Cowboys, that matchup. Uh, and then in the conference championship game, you're probably also talking about a road game like that. Uh, so it's going to be a tough one. You know, the Cowboys are going to need to channel their inner 2020 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, one of the wild card teams to win a Super Bowl or the 2010 Green Bay Packers, another example, the 2007 New York Giants. But it's tough. Winning three uh, three road games in a row in the playoffs is not an easy task. And then, you know, getting to the Super Bowl and winning it uh, even less so. Obviously, you would much rather have the number one seed, rest on the wild card round, host somebody in the divisional round, and then host somebody in the conference championship game It's obviously one of those situations where we're thinking about the long term right now. And I'm not saying that the Cowboys cannot go ahead and win three road games in a row. If they're the team that we think that they are, they can probably do so. Because if we get to the postseason, when we get to the postseason, you look at the playoff picture objectively. The best quarterback in there, in my opinion, is still Dak Prescott. All the respect to Jalen Hurts, I would still rank Dak over Jalen personally. And I believe there are very strong arguments for that. And there have been. It's not anything new that's happening in 2023. Uh, I thought that even before this season. So you have the best quarterback in the conference, arguably. I would say that confidently. You can definitely go on a little bit of a run there. But I think we are better off as a fan base kind of admitting that the NFC East it's probably gone by now. The Cowboys are going to have to do it the wild card way, and it's not being done very often in the history of the NFL. So we've seen we'll see how that one plays out. A major blow, in my opinion, what happened today, and it felt it felt pretty rough because man, it felt like the Cowboys definitely had a chance. Uh, anyways, like the Bills, excuse me, had a chance. Anyways. Moving on a little bit here on the show, I did want to get to some of the news from the weekend. And obviously, there is a game creeping up on us on Thursday night. The Cowboys will play against the Seattle Seahawks. Should it be a fun game again? Uh, We're going to be previewing that the rest of the week. For those of you who are new to the show here, uh, make sure you hit the like button. And also, make sure you know and you remember, we are live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central. To talk about some Cowboys football, uh, let's close the show out with some O news, ladies and gentlemen. There are three bit of uh, three bits of news that I wanted to get to. Number one is Shaquille Leonard. We talked about it as soon as the Indianapolis Colts waved him. We talked about it here on the show. We said, "Hey, do not expect the Cowboys to put in a claim. Actually, do not expect any NFL team." to put in a claim on waivers for the three-time first-team all-pro linebacker. That's exactly what happened. And now he's a free agent. And we talked about it last week. We said, hey, if he does become a free agent, then the Cowboys could be players in it because that's what they love to do. They love to make some low-risk, high-reward bets. And right now, according to multiple reports, Shaquille Leonard is visiting the Cowboys this week oh boy could they sign him what to expect if they do sign him we talked a little bit about that here on the show and the answer is not the Shaquille Leonard you are thinking of not the old pro version of Shaquille Leonard the Cowboys are not likely to get that in the former Indianapolis cult uh, if they do sign him if they do what we could expect is that upside bet on a player that you are probably going to want as depth. As a Colts insider, Destin Adams described him to me, he has been unplayable against the pass. I'm not sure. And this is a good comment right here from Jay Recruiter. He says, I'm assuming that Evans is not working out. I wouldn't. This is a very good comment, man, because I can totally see where, where you're coming from, Jay. I'm not sure if I would make that jump in a conclusion. I'm not sure I would. I think the Cowboys need depth. Even if Rashawn Evans ends up working out, you still need depth. Because the Cowboys probably understand that they need size at linebacker. Marquis Bell, fun as heck watching him play. Fun as heck. Uh, Damon Clark has been, uh, you know, I think both have been decent, but they both have had some ups and downs. But when I think of that Eagles matchup, not just in week 14, but that hypothetical Eagles matchup in the playoffs or that hypothetical 49ers matchup in the playoffs, I would like to have bigger guys, right? That I can count on as well. So even if Rashawn Evans works out, having somebody else would be a must too, right? I don't think it's an either or kind of thing. I think the Cowboys are looking for an end. Uh, And I think looking back at the trade deadline, that's been the case. Because I don't think that at the trade deadline, the Cowboys could have had an idea of whether or not Rashawn Evans would work out. And they were actively seeking a linebacker at the trade deadline per Diana Rossini from The Athletic. That was what she reported after uh, the deadline. And I think she's a very reliable reporter. So I would definitely take her report as truth. So all I'm saying is, it might be a little bit of that, Jay. You might be onto something, but I don't think that we've seen anything yet on tape to suggest that, oh, Evans is washed or something like that. I think the Cowboys want another linebacker, even if Evans ends up playing out. Uh, However, you know, don't expect the old pro version of him. Cowboys don't need the old pro version of him, though, which is the nice part of this whole thing. If you get Shaq Leonard as your depth linebacker and and you get him in the rotation, it probably cannot hurt you very much. So I'm assuming that the Cowboys are legitimately interested in Shaq at this point after this report. Uh, Mike McCarthy also talked to the media uh, today, and he... Even said like, oh, there's a lot of interest. So that saying that as the head coach is a big statement to make. Uh, Doesn't necessarily mean that they will end up getting him, right? Remember when this team was out there publicly flirting with OBJ and nothing came to fruition. So it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it probably does something, right? So we'll see how it all plays out. I think the Cowboys are serious, serious candidates to sign the guy at this point. Uh, we'll see if it ends up happening or not. So that's one of the sumo news of today. And we can also mention right now, De'Ron Bland. We talked about this on Thursday night after the Thanksgiving game. We talked about the Cowboys having two Defensive Player of the Year candidates. And I asked you, who would you vote for today? And I think a lot of the people, ends were Bland back then. I can tell you right now, the odds makers are not buying into the hype. Because even though his odds to win the award have been slashed in half, they're still very high. They're still at plus 1,200. And to put it in context, Micah is at plus 200 as the second odds on favorite. That means that if you put 100 bucks on Micah to win Defensive Player of the Year, you would be winning $200 off of those 100, like 200 in profits. And De'Aaron Bland would pay you $1,200 for each $100 that you bet. Just wanted to touch base on that and say, hey, even if we are very excited about where De'Aaron Bland is and where he is going and what he is doing, maybe the Defensive Player of the Year talk, Maybe it's a little bit of a long shot steal. And I do feel that way for a lot of reasons. I've would, i I've been thinking about it. Three reasons why I believe Bland has a tough time of winning it is Micah being on the team. I think that hurts his chances a lot. His voters are going to be like, okay, who's the best player on the Cowboys defense? And I think you would have a very, very tough time to answer anybody who is not Micah. If you're just asking who is the best defensive player on the team, you would need to answer number 11. And if you change those wordings to the most valuable, who has been the most valuable, and you look at the touchdowns, and you look at the numbers, maybe you could frame it towards saying, hey, could be bland. But even then, you could talk about, well, but on a down-to-down basis, you would much rather have Micah, blah, blah, blah. So, hey, I'm just saying, no. <laughs> In the contrary, Toxic says. But Mo is basically saying, cash out your 401ks early and put it all on Bland. Scary money don't make money. Toxic, that's the opposite of what I'm saying. I'm saying, hey, take it easy. With the Iran Bland DPOI hype, because it might not happen. It's what I'm thinking right now. Uh, that was one of the reasons. Another of the reasons was there's a lot of, there, there's uh, too many quality defensive – actually, I will rephrase that. There's two big-time edge rushers in the race. And I'm talking about Micah and I'm talking about Garrett, obviously. When I look at Stefan Gilmore's 2019 season and I looked at the boats, sure, there were a couple of guys. There were TJ Watt and there was Chandler Jones who got the other boats that were not for Stefan Gilmore. But then there were like three other defensive linemen who got votes. I don't think there are five defensive linemen, today that, defensive linemen today that would get a first place vote. I think it would be Micah or Garrett. And yeah, TJ is third on the odds. I'm not sure that TJ would get a vote over Micah or, or, or Garrett at this point, especially when you consider the double team rates uh, and all that. He's basically doubled at a 50% rate than Micah and Garrett are, which is insane to me. I don't get how TJ's doubled that little, uh, but uh, those kind of factors to me point towards De'Ron Bland potentially not being close to winning the DPOY. Uh, good news though for him is that there's a lot of football to be played. So if he can add another pick six, or maybe even another, like say that he ends up the, he ends the season with, Seven or or eight pick sixes then maybe the debate is over by then, but it's tough to get a- across them anyways uh William says he's set an NFL record think about all the great defensive backs that have played this game and he's the only one to ever have five pick sixes in a season and I agree by the way i don't I don't mean to take anything away from him I do think though that's that, that That's a little bit misleading sometimes in the sense that, man, I'm trying to phrase this the correct way because I don't want to seem like I'm taking any merit away from De'Ron Bland because I really am not trying to do that at all. All I'm saying is that doesn't necessarily mean that you're the best defender in the league. And that's what the award kind of is. So is the award the biggest NFL record broken in the season or is the award the best defender in the season? And I think that's why Blant is still so low in terms of odds. Sure, he's trending in the right direction, but he's still a very, very large long shot. And I think it's because of that. I think it's because, hey, at the end of the day, it's five plays within the season. Maybe those five plays don't tell the story of you being the best defender in the league. And I think that's a fair argument to make. And again, nothing against Blant's play at all. Uh, Even if you took away the pick sixes, I think he's having a great season. Overall, he really has been having a great season. He's got one of the best passer ratings allowed, one of the best this and that. Like, he he has been outstanding for the Cowboys in 2023. And I don't even want to say, like, oh, it's just the pick sixes and he sucks when it's not that because that wouldn't be true either. But is he the best defender in the NFL? Tough time answering yes, in my opinion, right? That's kind of like where I am at with the De'Aaron Bland conversation. I wouldn't bet De'Aaron Bland money on DPOI. That's all I'm saying. And last but not least, we got some one cool thing type news this weekend. Turns out that Dak Prescott is gonna be a father. We found out uh, via Sarah Jane's Instagram. She posted, you know, some pictures of her revealing the pregnancy, and added Dak Prescott and Dak shared the story. Dak commented on it. Dak is gonna have that daddy strength, you know. I, I remember the time when Mike Trout with the Los Angeles Angels, homering. I think it was nine times in seven games after he had that uh, uh, had her baby, and Mike Trout just went on a roll. Will we see that with Dak Prescott? Towards the end of the season and in the playoffs. We'll see, obviously. But hey, a little bit of one cool thing type news, right there. Dak Prescott about to be a dad. We were not expecting that one, I believe. Uh took us all by surprise. And then I remember Mike McCarthy talking about the players having so many babies in the preseason. And I laughed about it, right? Because hey, it's been a happy football team this season. They they've had their fun for sure off the field. And we'll see if, if somebody else follows. <laughs> Let's see here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, cash out your 4-1K mark Aaron. Let's see here. Oh man. Hope it is his toxic tongue. Man, gotta assume that it is. William says the MVP is not always the best player in the league. I remember it where my Ryan won MVP and he wasn't the best player in the league in 2016. And yeah, I agree. And I talked about that more in depth. What was it? I think it was on Thursday, actually, where I th- where I talked about, hey, you know what is very difficult to balance. I think for voters, how do you balance best player in the league for MVP or for this case in in the defensive player of the year conversation? How do you balance that? And how do you balance who did the most? Because that's different, and that is a very difficult dilemma in my in my opinion. Because I agree with the MVP, right? If the MVP was for the best player, and hey, let's even trim it down, let's talk about best quarterback, it would always be Patrick Mahomes, right, in, in mm-hmm. today's era. But 2019, Lamar Jackson got it because he did more because his season was the unique season and he wasn't unanimous even. Defensive player of the year, for a lot of years, it would have been Aaron Donald. And for a lot of years, it was, by the way, but he could have won more because there were players that did more in certain seasons here and there. It's definitely not a black and white award. Like it's a gray area right there. Uh, it's subjective. That's why it's a voting committee. If it was a very strict formula, we wouldn't even have voting. It, our formula, our computer would just spit it out. So, really looking forward to seeing how all that plays out. But uh, we'll find out very soon because the season is really not that young anymore. We're entering week 13 now. Uh Sunday night football is being played though, so let's get to that, ladies and gentlemen. For us, it will be it tonight. I will see you tomorrow night here on ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime as every Sunday through Thursday night, 8 p.m. Central. My name is Mauricio Rodriguez. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh Mo, why isn't spiking the ball to stop the clock? Consider it. rounding, asks Gregory. I believe that's within the rule book. Like, hey, it's an exception if the quarterback is spiking the football uh, to stop the clock. I believe it's because of that. Uh, It would be very, very boring or very stupid if it wasn't considered right. But yeah, that's why. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll see you tomorrow night. Thank you so much. Hit the like button for me. I'll see you tomorrow night. Bye-bye.